0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Cracking Addiction. My name is Philippe Naren, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Fergal Armstrong. In the episode of Cracking Addiction today, we're gonna talk about opioid use disorder in pregnancy and how to manage this sometimes complex area of medicine. So Fergal, the first question I've got to ask you is, for women with opioid use disorder and ORT, How do you approach the issue of pregnancy and management of pregnancy?
1: So there are a number of principles that need to be understood, and then we need to drill down into each principle. The first principle is that opioid replacement therapy actually treats uh, opioid use disorder induced amenorrhea. So opioid replacement therapy is a risk factor for unplanned pregnancy. The second principle is that we should focus our efforts on both the health of the mother and the baby during pregnancy, and we should avoid withdrawal from opioids during that entire time. The third issue is how do we deal with baby's health after delivery? You know, and then we need to touch on neonatal abstinence. And then the fourth issue is how do we deal with mum in the puerperal, in the, um, Post uh, postnatal period, after she's delivered, and then for the following twelve weeks, because there are significant changes in body composition during that time, which then affect the way that we hand, that, that handle that uh, mums handle arthroplasty replacement therapy. So really, we need to start from before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and after pregnancy, and the care needs to be tailored to mum and baby during those times.
0: That's a really good and logical framework to to focus on, and probably guide us in this episode. So let's start off with the before pregnancy. Say, for example, you either have a woman with diagnosed opioid use disorder and probably on opioid substitution therapy, or you have a woman with undiagnosed opioid use disorder who's fallen pregnant and come to see you. I guess the principles would be to stabilize the woman on some form of opioid substitution therapy to prevent uh, the risks of withdrawal and to engage in treatment. Would that be a good stepping stone in the management of opioid use disorder in pregnancy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can think about opioid use disorder in women, uh, you know, as needing a discussion on the risks of pregnancy, because remember chaos, opioid use disorders associated with chaos and chaotic lifestyles, especially only in women, of course, cause amenorrhea. So women become functionally infertile as a result of their chaotic lifestyles. Opioid used as uh, opioid replacement therapy in the context of a service then contributes to the reduction in the chaos of that of, of a patient, and therefore then uh, allows or facilitates the return of regular menstruation, which therefore then heralds the onset of uh, normal fertility. So therefore. Screening for pregnancy for any new patient, uh, any, any female patient who's coming to your service um, for opioid replacement therapy should really be part of the initial screen. And also a discussion on contraception should be part of the treatments that are available for pay, for people attending for opioid replacement therapy. And... You know, there are there are some passionate advocates for depot contraception in, in women of childbearing age who who have an um, opioid use disorder, especially in the context of informed consent. And so women need to understand their risks.
0: That's a very good point to mention. Contraception is is a vitally important thing to mention. As is stabilization of a woman in pregnancy on opioid substitution therapy, we know that uh, withdrawal is associated with a lot of complications for, for the mother and the, the fetus as well. And we know keeping a woman on opioid substitution therapy engaged in therapy leads to long-term better outcomes for both mother and child. What do you say, Fergal, to some patients, and I'm sure you've had patients like this, who asked to come off opioid substitution therapy during pregnancy because they're concerned about risks? Do you have an approach to that at all?
1: Yeah. So, first of all, that you we have to understand the the perspective of the patient, and at the end of the day, the patient in front of you, unless has has the presumption of uh, mental competence and the presumption of medical autonomy, so they are allowed to make their own healthcare decisions. I often find that that patients are really unaware of. The risks associated with either being on opioid replacement therapy during pregnancy or being off opioid replacement therapy during pregnancy. So, really, it's an opportunity for a an expansive and frank discussion, during which I emphasise the risks of withdrawal in pregnancy and also the risks of being on opioid replacement therapy. So, a lot of a lot of women don't understand the risks of opioid replacement therapy in the context of. of of pregnancy and opioid use disorder. And what we know is that yes, both methadone and also to a certain extent, buprenorphine, they reduce head circumference in in babies and they reduce uh, birth weights in babies. But compared to the head circumference and birth rates uh, and birth weights rather of babies who are born from mothers who are experiencing ongoing substance use disorder or heroin use disorder, that reduction is much less that can be attributed to opioid replacement therapy. So, basically, opioid replacement therapy is safer than uh, ongoing substance use disorder. That's the first point to make to mums. The second point to make to mums is that there is no evidence of teratogenicity. So, by that I mean there's no evidence that opioid replacement therapy with methadone or buprenorphine causes birth defects more so than background risk, because there's always a background risk to this. The, the third thing to mention is that withdrawal in pregnancy is really dangerous for baby. It's also dangerous for mom. So we know that um, in the first trimester, there's a high risk of withdrawal causing uh, early miscarriage. And in the third, third trimester, there's a high risk of fetal distress and also miscarriage as well as a result of that. Finally, then we need to address the issue that Mum may have with regards to neonatal abstinence syndrome. And I've I've had a few mums who have spoken to me about this, and their concern is that they have to actually reduce the level of the medication that they're on to minimize the risk that they perceive of neonatal abstinence occurring in their child. And then I say to Mum in that point. Well, actually we know, or, or rather there's no evidence that the risk of neonatal abstinence is dose dependent. So you're going to be, if you're going to be on methadone, you're going to, you know, you've got a 70 to 80% chance of developing a neonatal abstinence syndrome, but lowering the dose of methadone during pregnancy is not going to change that risk. And yes, the risk of neonatal abstinence syndrome, in, uh, is, is lower when it's when buprenorphine is used. But again, the, the risk is not dose-dependent, so lowering the dose of buprenorphine is not going to change that risk. So once mum has, once we've had a discussion with mom about all of these issues, then really um, the safest time to reduce uh, the dose of opioid replacement therapy is actually in the second trimester and certainly with methadone. five milligrams a week reduction could be feasible but look anything faster than that you really are heading into the territory of withdrawal and
0: neonatal distress that's a really good summary Fergal and I think you've summarized some of the risks as well and I think all of us would rather have a woman with opioid use disorder stable on opioid substitution therapy than run the risk of going through uh, withdrawal of opioid substitution therapy during pregnancy and as you've mentioned In the first trimester, increased risk of uterine contraction and miscarriage. And in third trimester, increased risk of intrauterine growth retardation and a few other complications. So stopping therapy Mm. is not as simple or risk-free as possible. And another thing that you've mentioned as well with neonatal abstinence syndrome, everyone's aware of it. There are scoring systems for it. NICU's neonatal facilities are very well aware of it. And it's a very treatable condition. So it's not something that's outside the realms of being treated, provided it's recognized early. And I usually try and reassure the women that I see that it's a common occurrence, uh, identifying a child with neonatal abstinence syndrome, and it is treatable. So I find a lot of pregnant women carry a lot of guilt, a lot of shame and trying to allay some of that guilt and shame, uh, I find actually helps patients stay on treatment, which is ideally what we want.
1: Yeah, so for me, moms worry about the risk of neonatal abstinence syndrome, and therefore they think they actually have to come down on their ORT to minimize that risk. And I emphasize the point, there's no evidence that the risk of neonatal abstinence syndrome is dose-related, which then brings me on to the next point that actually, as, as pregnancy develops, changes in body fluids, body composition actually mean that sometimes we need to increase the dose of uh, opioid replacement therapy during pregnancy, um, and, or change the way that we dose. So for example, we know that methadone, one of the, one of the main enzymes that, that metabolizes methadone is cytochrome p 450 3A4. But we know, actually, the 3A4 is also produced by intestines and also produced by the placenta. So it's not just the liver. So you have this growing placenta, which is churning out 3A4. Therefore, you know, you are, you are churning out an enzyme that's actually eating away at your methadone levels. So as pregnancy evolves, the half-life of methadone can actually shorten. You know, so we know that the half-life of methadone in, in someone who's not pregnant or is... Is approximately anything between eight to fifty-nine hours, but certainly more than twenty-four hours, right? So, as pregnancy evolves, in certain individuals with a high level of CYP3A4 it can actually drop down to eight hours. So that just highlights the point that, that actually a the dose may need to go up, or b the dosing frequency may need to increase. So, whereas for you know someone who's not pregnant, we would use standard daily dosing for methadone, you might actually need to use BD or even TDS dosing for methadone. So it's it's rare that that would happen in you know, BD or TDS dosing, but it's, it's certainly possible. What, what, what I think is more common is that the dose does need to go up uh, every day uh, during pregnancy. And so don't be alarmed at this, especially given that the risk of neonatal abstinence syndrome is not dose-related. There, I've said it three times, which then brings us to the next point of, well, what's the standard dose in pregnancy for methadone? Well, you know, we, we say that in community dosing of methadone, Uh, is is ranging between 90 to 120. Well, you know, that's the dose range you'd expect for pregnancy as well. And certainly there's evidence that anything under 60 is just totally inadequate.
0: So Fergal, that's a great point to mention. And what this shows is that dosing of opioid substitution therapy in pregnancy is not a static thing. You don't just give the woman a dose or a script and say, see you later you review the woman frequently as you would throughout her pregnancy every few weeks to see how she's coping not only with the pregnancy but with the medications that you've prescribed and those adjustments may need to be made to ensure that the opioid use disorder is being treated correctly is that a fair summary
1: yeah the key thing is frequent reviews and having an open mind about exactly what where the mother is in terms of uh, comfort levels and to really, I also think we need to hammer home the issue of avoiding withdrawal. Now, to that, I mean, you, your original question, you said to me, what do you do if someone actually wants to come off methadone or, or buprenorphine in pregnancy? Well, at the end of the day, once the mother, I think it's important to also say that whilst we would encourage mum to consider the risks and the benefits of opioid replacement therapy and the risks of uh, withdrawals in pregnancy, at, at the end of the day, if mom is absolutely adamant that she is coming off this medication, then we have to legally facilitate that we cannot compel people, least of all, a pregnant woman to continue therapy that she just does not want to be on. So, you know, there we have, there's no role for compulsion in this. So at the end of the day, if they're absolutely determined, well, then you have to do a gradual tapering.
0: That's an excellent point, Fergal. And I think what we as doctors as prescribers also need to be aware of is that there is a lot of shame that women feel with regards to substance use opioid use disorder falling pregnant and managing the pregnancy but also a lot of women i find are worried about the consequences of their substance use and whether or not their children will be removed whether child protection will be involved in the care of their child as well so i think as doctors, we have a role to play not only in the medical management, but also providing support, reassurance, advocating for our patients as well. Mm. As we know, substance use can be a risk factor for for child endangerment, Mm -hmm. uh, but not everyone who uses substances is a bad parent or substance use is not a precluder of being a good parent. So, it's something that we need mm-hmm. to advocate for our patients and reassure them where we can. Is that, is that a fair statement?
1: Absolutely. And this, this opens the door to a, really the point about how opioid use disorder is not just a, a disease of a drug and a receptor. Opioid use disorder is a condition that affects people. And women who are pregnant deserve care in a multidisciplinary team women who are pregnant who are also suffering from opioid use disorder deserve excellent high standard of care provided by a multidisciplinary team within which there is included expert obstetric care expert mid- midwifery care and also expert aod care they deserve care that is non-judgmental and culturally sensitive and respectful of their wishes and needs which then goes back to the point about you know you know how do you actually deal with uh, a woman who has SUD who's on ORT and wants to come up? Well, the answer is ultimately you have to respect her, her wishes. Um, one of the key things that, that I have uh, experienced in my dealings with people who are pregnant with SUD is that they worry that their babies are going to be taken away from them or that they worry that because they're, uh, they're, they're now pregnant, they're they need they're not allowed they're bad people they're going to be judged they're going to be stigmatized and they're not allowed to access services and so they run away from services so so really focusing care on the on the welfare of the growing fetus and 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 providing the wraparound services that are designed to help the fetus and emphasizing that to mum really is a way of engaging mum into into services because the worst thing that could happen is that mum doesn't actually engage in services. And another point to make is that even if mum has weaned off opiate replacement therapy during pregnancy, that does not mean that she is then excluded from AOD expert care during her pregnancy. You know, the, the, the engagement has to continue. The psychosocial services have to continue.
0: So Fergal, that was an excellent summary of the episode, and I think that's a great place to end the episode of Cracking Addiction today. Thanks for joining us on this episode, and bye for now you yeah.